Hi everyone, I'm Allie Stone and this is Discovering Hospitality. Now I've been in the hospitality industry for over 20 years, serving in all capacities. I started out as a server to present day where I'm part owner of a multi-unit franchise in Northern Alberta called Original Joe's. My journey continues to the Inspired Leader, which I founded in 2020. Through this, I help leaders from all industries create meaningful careers. And I do this through the education I received from my many years as a senior level leader in hospitality. I truly believe if we could bring more hospitality to more industry around the world, it would be a better place. Of course, hospitality has given me a life rich with adventure, connection, let's not forget humor, and of course the challenges which I believe can be unique to the hospitality industry. So this podcast, it was created to highlight the incredible moments that exist in our industry. Behind the day-to-day of hospitality lies millions of stories, serving as evidence that this is one of the most complex, challenging, and ultimately fulfilling industries on the planet. And when you peek beneath the surface, it's revealed that this industry, despite those challenges, offers a unique glimpse into creativity, beauty, and ultimately the strength it takes to bring it all to life each and every day. So it's my purpose with this podcast to share the celebration of humanity that exists in hospitality. I want to share how this industry is one of the most incredible industries in the world and how hospitality creates a place for the world to become more connected and ultimately to become more beautiful. Thank you for joining me on this week's podcast and I truly hope you enjoy it. Hello everyone, welcome to the second week of Discovering Hospitality with Allison Lang. Now last week, uh, we started off an amazing conversation talking about Allison's early years, um, her love of sports, her being a Paralympian, so many amazing things, and we ended the conversation around traveling. So that's where we're going to pick it up today. Sit back and get comfortable because the second half of this conversation is incredibly inspiring. Thanks for being here. I don't know if you see this on social media, but everyone's moving to Bali or like, you know, (laughs) going on this soul searching expedition in Bali. And I'm like, I understand why, because it's such a beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't, I was on my way to Bali. This Uh is before I'm a little bit older than you. So I'm going to date myself, but I was on my way to Bali uh, 24 hours before I was about to get on an airplane and the Sari club bombings happened. And a whole bunch of Canadians died and Canada uh, at that time put a like a travel ban on. And so I was meeting my sister because she was working in Australia on a visa. And so she was going to pop up to Bali and we were going to have a holiday there. And so we diverted and went to Australia and had the best time. But yeah, so I never, I never got my Bali. Oh, you need to <laughs> go to Bali. And also, I will tell you that I love, like, love, 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 love the feeling and the food of Middle Eastern culture. So Morocco has been on my bucket list forever. And like, I'm always like, I would bring back all the lamps and the, you know, like, I would have a hard time not buying everything and shipping at home. (laughs) 
<laughs> just it's so colorful. When you think of Morocco, <sighs> it's so colorful, so many spices and yeah. same. I, I thought for sure, like, thank God I had a backpacking bag only with me. Otherwise I would have brought the whole country home. Like I for love sure. everything, the textiles, the carpets, just, you know. Yeah. So you beautiful. Have to or if you go, will. I'll come with you. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. We're making plans. So just a sidebar question. Where did your love of hats come from? Did that come from your travels or is that, <laughs> is that something Canadian that landed on you? I don't know. Okay. So she's referring to all that <laughs> on the wall right here behind. You. I don't know if it's the Albertan in me that didn't really necessarily want to be a country girl in a cowboy hat. So I just started collecting these fedora looking hats <laughs> instead. They're awesome. I love them. I think it's super I fun. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I, I want to just kind of point out, like, it must have been challenging to travel. <laughs> to all of these countries, um, I'm, I'm making the assumption. So was it challenging for you? Was it, how did you handle that with your prosthetics? Did you have to take more than one? Did it require more um, forethought? And, and how did you kind of like get through, if you were challenged, how did you get through the adversity of that and make sure that you had fun on your trips? Yeah, I'll actually share like something that I've never really shared before. Um, I wouldn't say that like I'm, I'm very lucky aside from what I've been through when I was younger, I have, I haven't had that many hurdles to jump when it comes to wearing a prosthesis or being a prosthesis user. So I've always been active. So for me to backpack, it was interesting because even my parents, like naturally you're just concerned when your daughter goes traveling, but when she has a disability as well, it's just something that you think about like, how will locals look at her? Will there be certain things that will be challenging within, you know? Could it be dangerous for you? That's exactly what their, where their concern was coming from. But obviously I was like super ambitious at that time. And I didn't want to think about those things. But one thing I was still, still kind of struggling with in my twenties was really accepting my limb difference and so I took a backpacking bag but I had to bring a swim leg with me because my walk my everyday walking leg wasn't waterproof and so it's so funny I say like oh I have a leg in my bag (laughs) but um or people would be like why is your backpack so big and I'm like because I have to carry around another leg (laughs) not everyone can say that and I definitely scared some security sometimes but one thing that I just recently learned, so if anybody's listening to this that also has to travel with some kind of mobility device, I could have taken my prosthetic out of my backpacking bag and then kind of pushed in the top and it would have fit the standard for overhead items. Oh. And you can actually carry a mobility device. So that's crutches, like a stroller, a wheelchair, a prosthetic leg as an extra item free of charge. So for me, I was so scared. Well, I was kind of embarrassed at that age still, like in my, when I was traveling at 19, 18, 
um, to carry my leg in my hand because it would look weird. But I wish that I did it because it would have saved me so much baggage fees because I was checking my bag all the time. And, you know, traveling that far, like halfway across the world or all the way across the world, your bag could go missing and you could oh. be with something for a little bit. <laughs> and you're and like, these oh. legs are like $10,000 to $15,000 a piece. So I'm kind of crazy for having checked it every time, to be honest. And um, it's, it hasn't been until recently where I'm like, I'm not paying money. Like I have my, I always have my camera gear backpack, my backpacking bag and my prosthetic. So, I mean, aside from getting over that thing that in, I guess it would be like internalized ableism because I was always scared. Um, and that's where, so internalized ableism is when, um, like the ableist society has just put these expectations onto everyone within society, including those with disabilities. So we never want to be seen as different or that we need special treatment. So a lot of the time I never took advantage of funding or handicap parking or anything of that nature, because I felt like I was, wasn't disabled enough or shouldn't act like I'm disabled. So that was something I had to overcome myself. Mm. But obviously traveling too was quite interesting. So when I was in El Salvador, there was this day tour to go um, hike the Tamanique waterfalls. And it's quite slippery. There's like lava rock and all of that that can be quite dangerous if you're going on a wet day. And the locals looked at me and they said, no, you can't come because they, when they looked at my prosthetic, they actually thought it was a knee brace. And it's so funny for me because growing up in Alberta, I would go hiking all the time in Jasper and bam. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I doubt that this is any more challenging than anything else I've done. So it was a free trip with our hostel. And what I ended up doing is getting on the bus anyway. And when I had completed the hike, it was funny because when we got there, the driver looked and then told the guy in span the one that met us at the trailhead in Spanish, like, watch out for this girl, she might get hurt. And then at the end of the trip, I was one of the ones hiking in the front the whole time, like keeping <laughs> up with the guide. So I'm like, it's but yeah. this it's, is what I, I know what you're saying though. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. And this is one thing though that I've definitely come to be super understanding about is that I'm going to third world countries where I live in Canada and I'm super privileged. Like mm -hmm. we have access to healthcare and prosthetic limbs and funding from the government. And I think about how different my life could be if I was born in one of these countries that didn't have access to healthcare in ways that I do. And you know what? I did see that firsthand when I was in Guatemala, the hostel that I was staying at. Um, one day we went and took the trucks out and went to watch a local soccer competition with children in this village. And there were kids that were on crutches missing their limbs that weren't wearing a prosthetic leg. And um, it, it made me reflect a lot about myself and about where I come from. And in fact, I've been looking into resources since and programs since on, I mean, I joked about having a bucket of legs at my parents' house that are going unused, but it's, you can use them. Yeah. yeah it's um, 
not legal in Canada to reuse medical devices because obviously there's warrants and like warranty and all that kind of stuff that would affect like if someone got hurt wearing my prosthetic that could become a lawsuit. However, there are so many organizations worldwide where I can donate them to communities in poverty that could use the foot or some of the some of the functions of these devices and build something new for a child and that could be so life-changing for a child I I want to go and hand donate these legs though like I want to be part of this experience but obviously with COVID I've been unable to do that but I've been in contact with a program in Africa and it's called legs for Africa so I'm gonna go donate all my legs there because I probably have close to like 15 to 20 legs that could probably go towards other that people. is amazing and what a great way to give them back right Absolutely. all the support they gave you you can give them a little kiss and send them yeah. out to the world <laughs> oh I love that so much I think that's so beautiful Thanks. um okay I'm gonna take you off travel because I still have a few more questions yeah for sure <laughs> so, um you're you're a model now too so you actually work for two agencies correct me if I'm wrong it's like B and M. I don't really know yeah. these modeling. But I just signed with B and M in Toronto. Okay. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And and a and a, a Montreal a local Montreal one, right? Yeah. So my mother agency is uh, Agence La Suite in Montreal. Yeah, oh, beautiful. And so tell me about that experience. How did that happen? Is that part of um, because you're an advocate that that happened for you, or and and what is it like? Like what kind of jobs are you were doing? What are they asking you to be a part of? I'm so curious. I'm like flustered <laughs> with you asking this question because it's still so, so exciting. Like, I don't want to say bizarre. It's definitely exciting to be part of, but it's something that I've never set out to do. I never, when I was younger was like, oh, I'm going to be a model. Um, they, I'm super fortunate at one of the jobs that I had in uh, Montreal, one of my coworkers was her best friend works at Agence La Suite here in Montreal. And she told her about my social media and just kind of my advocacy work online. And they contacted me and they're like, you're great. And the industry's changing. We want to represent you. And to be quite honest, that was one of the things I struggled with when I was younger. Obviously, when you're in your teenage years and your body is changing and you're developing boobs and all this weird stuff is happening and you're surrounded by groups of friends and girls are like, oh, I want, wish my nose was thinner. I wish my stomach was flatter. And then when you look in the mirror and you see something wrong with yourself, but I can't grow a leg back. Like mm -hmm. it just always felt like the beauty standard was never obtainable for me. And I never saw women that looked like me on magazine covers or on TV or even as an act, like no actors or actresses were highlighted as disabled people. And if there was a disabled role, they were played by able-bodied actors. So it was never a genuine role and it would hyper-focus on their disability without it just being a component of who they are rather than the whole character. And I, that was what I struggled with a lot. And um, for me, I never set out to even do social media for Which myself. So interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> that I'm going to tie actually traveling to my agency. Okay. And I started my Instagram 
um, to start documenting and kind of keeping like a scrapbook of my travels. And obviously I really struggled showing my leg in photographs because I was ashamed of it. However, when you're traveling to tropical places, it's quite hard to hide your leg when you're laying on the beach. And I started this hashtag, which was more of a joke for me than anything. So my family could follow it, but it was hashtag hop around the world with me because I have one leg and I'm going around the world. <laughs> um, but then I started getting messages from mothers and they would say things along the lines of, I was so fearful for my daughter or son, I can't remember the exact, um, to grow up with their disability. And I didn't think they could do these things. But now that I'm seeing you living a fulfilled mm -hmm. life, it makes me so much more excited to watch them grow and to, and to develop into um, this individual. And for me, it wasn't the like count on my photos that mattered. It was getting messages like these that filled my soul. And I made beautiful connections with people online that way that it actually progressed into something more where I was like, you know what, if the beauty standard doesn't want to welcome people like me, I'm going to say, fuck it and do it myself. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened with the agency and they're like we don't have a disabled person or I guess I should say an amputee they definitely represent disabled people now on our roster and we would like to represent you and even before I signed my contract with them they called me and said what are you doing right now and I was like what this is a weird question and they're like because we have a casting call and we need you to go to it because we think you would get it and I was like, um, okay, who is it for? And it was for our den. Oh and I, I got the job. I went to the casting call. I'd never gone before. I didn't even know what to wear, what to do, nothing. Like I had never, I'm not even like fully represented actually at this time, but I went and they just took some headshots of me and some video footage of me in natural light and asked me a few questions. And then I was on my way. And I got the call like the next day and the agency was like, I've emailed you all the paperwork. Um, let's have a meeting. But you also got this job and it's like in two weeks. And I was oh like, God. what? <laughs> and it was for Arden's new move line. So their activewear line that came out last year at this in like January 1st. So I've been signed just over a year with this agency. Um, and since I've been so fortunate enough to model for local Montreal brands like Lingerie Emma, I've also modeled for Via Rail, I've modeled for Noise, and um, it's been quite the experience. And I was actually also in the Government of Canada's COVID commercial where I'm just, where they're talking about the COVID safe app, but it doesn't hyper-focus on my leg. I was just one of the patients sitting in the waiting room. And that is what is so fascinating and so exciting to me is because I don't want to just show up in these ads for people to be like, oh, we check, we've, we've got our people of color, we've got our disabled person, we've got our LGBTQ plus member. Like, I don't, want to be just like this we call it tokenism and I 
that really irks me. So if it's something that is just like, look, we celebrate diversity. This is what we do. And it's not the forefront or the sole focus. I'm like, it's sad to say that it surprises me, but because it shouldn't, like that should just be the norm, but that hopefully means that things are getting better for the future. And um, in November, I got a message on Instagram from B&M and the modeling agency in Toronto saying that they really wanted me to apply with them and they were really interested in representing me. And I was actually in Mexico at the time with my friend Jen. So that was my first travel collaboration I got as an influencer. And I look at her and I'm like, since when am I hot commodity? Nobody used to want a body like me. (laughs) And um, I was like, I can't do that. I'm going to cheat on my agency. And then my agency emailed me shortly after and was like, you have to take this. You're going to have representation in both Montreal and Toronto, which are two of the biggest fashion cities in all of Canada yeah and it's been like a whirlwind I still can't believe it's real because not only has it brought me a lot of modeling gigs but it's brought me speaking gigs and collaborations that I do on social media so it's and getting this message out and so there's this underlying thing you're talking about right now that's just like so important to me I'll tell you I'm sobbing my eyes out the other night so um Chris and I are watching Schitt's Creek oh my god (laughs) oh my god and so it's the end and David and Patrick are getting married and I am I am fucking inconsolable like inconsolable I can't handle it and Chris looking at me and then I was like that was like the most beautiful wedding ever or whatever (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, and then I turned to Chris and I was like, 10 years ago, we would have never saw that on TV. And that was the most beautiful thing ever. And I loved that so much. And I just got like, so passionate about it. We still have a long ways to go, but I love that the world is opening up. I love that we're being open to different experiences and the different experiences that we all have of life. Right. And I just think it's so important. And if you live a life where you don't, you know what I mean? You're, you're kind of like, I don't know, not to super stereotype, but like you're white male, right? You kind of like live in Canada, you got a pretty easygoing life and you don't have these things Mm -hmm. in your life, find ways to experience them because it completely changes the lens through which you see the world. And it just becomes so much more beautiful. Anyway, I was like a slobbering mess. (laughs) You're like me. Movies, TV. I don't know. Have you watched The Peanut Butter Falcon yet? Oh, I've been told twice now. Oh my God. I have to watch it. You're number three. And I bawled my eyes out. So if listeners are listening, it's with Shia LaBeouf, but the other actor has Down syndrome. And it just goes to show that you can have dreams and respect from people despite your disability. And it's so powerful. And I'm so excited to see more and more diverse actors and actresses out there showcasing these sides of the story and the next tv show you have to watch is special on netflix okay the actor the actor and producer has cerebral palsy oh okay yeah i'll check it out for sure okay yeah the wedding did me in i was like i need a couple days before i saw my eyes out again (laughs) and I'm like also you're sad that the show's over I know I was like (laughs) don't 
Eugene Levy, write some more, please. <laughs> so, I mean, you are, you are doing a lot in your life. Um, you're wearing a lot of hats. Um, you're on Team Canada, right? You're looking at maybe getting to the Paralympics. This is so cool. Uh, you're, you don't like the word, but you're an influencer. You are. You're an advocate. You're a model. You're doing all of these things. How do you keep that together? Because, I mean, I live a pretty busy, crazy life. Um, and I know I have to really strategize to do that. So I always like to ask people this question who are like high performers like me, because I like to get inside your brain so I can learn more too. <laughs> um, but, but what do you do? Like, how do you keep it all together? Do you find it a lot for you oh, or is it pretty easy for you? I don't know if I keep it all together all the time, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> uh, I... I would say that through all of this, I don't know. I don't even know how I keep it all together. To be honest, like it doesn't feel for, like work because I'm so passionate about what I do. Mm -hmm. So for me to create and post things on social media is just fun. It's a, it's a time for me to play. And sure, I'm starting to find it becoming more and more difficult with me trying to write captions and blog posts and really pour my heart and soul into things because I'm like, I want to be educational, but I also want my personality to come out where I'm super fun and loving and easygoing. And I'm still trying to navigate how to tie those two together. But as far as balance in my life goes, ugh, lots of notepads calendars like uh, posted on my wall right here on my laptop reminders I I don't know it's obviously I also did this when I had a full-time job and now I don't have a full-time job I've moved into more of a freelance sector so I'm working for myself which gives me a lot more focus I guess yeah. on these things um Sometimes I think that's an important step because it clears space for like the things that the world's trying to give you to open, right? Yeah. And so. yeah, sometimes like people either judge the word influencer. That's why I don't really like using the word too much um, or content creator. But I find that sometimes it can take a toll on people. It's, it's either looked at in a negative light or everybody aspires to be an influencer, but mm -hmm. there's it takes a toll because now I'm not working a full-time job. Instead, I'm working 24-7. And it, it, it comes with a price, you know, like getting those messages is super sweet from mothers saying that I've inspired them to help their child grow into this beautiful human as well. But I also get hate online too. I was just um, going to ask that, yeah. So for me to find balance, I definitely, it's been harder with restrictions in Montreal, but I would, I want to thank my family and friends because like I live with one of my best friends and she's my roommate and she's always there when I need to talk about things or vent about things, or even just being like, I have a podcast interview later tonight. Can you remind me that I need to start getting ready for it at this time? <laughs> you know, just having like some kind of support. Yeah. So that's super important. Like, I don't know Allie sitting on the other side of zoom by herself. <laughs> Now I'm like, I want to know your tricks because I know that you're super busy all the time too. Yeah, I'm basically in career transition too. So I'm in my last year with the restaurants and I've, uh, I just, I'm called, <laughs> I, have a, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it any more than that, but I'm called to go 
share everything I've done in the companies with other leaders and other organizations. And um, I really want to help female entrepreneurs see that they can do it because I think it's really hard for women in business. Mm -hmm. I know it was hard for me and I just want to yeah, I just want to give <laughs> I have this like big, I'm like, I want to get out there and give back. And so I'm in transition. I'm trying to build my new company, the inspired leader, and I'm working a full-time career. I'm mentoring somebody to take over my role, which is the top role in the organization. So it's like pretty, all pretty crazy right now. Um, plus I have a husband, right. Who has a brain injury and I, I care for him and I'm a wife and yeah. So there's a lot of things going on. Um, for me, it's mental health. It's all about self-care. I meditate all the time. I always, if it's 30 seconds or 30 minutes, there's always time in a day for me. Even if like my door is banging down, I have 30 things on my to-do list. I'm like, nope, shut the door, turn the lights off, take a minute, breathe. Because you can, what I've really learned over the years is you can only give to the world or your community around you as much as you like you have in your heart. And if you don't fill your own heart and you drain those batteries, if you deplete that, you have nothing left to give you crash and you've, you've wasted that opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I always try to remember that. And I always remember, I'm so much happier when I care, care for myself. If I'm start to get pissed off or cynical or like get in those mind traps where I'm blaming things or whatever, I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. My self-care must be lacking. And so I always pull back and I'm just super selfish about it now. And I have to be, um, but it's changed my life. It's completely changed my life. So That's it's been really so important. Beautiful. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. You're going to have to teach me how to meditate because I oh. do not know how to turn my brain off. I'm actually a meditation, a certified meditation <gasps> teacher. Yeah. I'm certified in heart math. I'm a resilience mentor. I do like a whole bunch of cool stuff. So I can teach you some really cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. Here you're telling me I wear a lot of hats. (laughs) Allie, you also wear a lot of hats. Let me give you one right now. It's so easy and it'll be good for the listeners. So I call it, I call it my one, two, three reset. So you can do this anytime, any day. I will say people won't even think you're crazy. Like you can totally do it in front of people and it's three simple breaths. Okay. So you're just going to do it with me. Okay. Take a breath in through your nose. Sigh it out your mouth nice and loud. Take another breath in through your nose. And then breathe it out through your mouth, but like quietly this time. So fast or slow? Yeah, whatever feels comfortable for you. And then in through your nose and out through your nose. And I specifically feel it on the second breath and the out quiet through the mouth. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a pattern uh, interrupt for your nervous system. And what it's doing, the science of that is what it's doing is it's soothing your vagal nerve that runs all down your body and it's tripping your nervous system into rest and relax. And you do it in like four seconds. <laughs> it's wild. And so you can do that anytime. So if you're at a gig, let's yeah. say you're in a modeling gig and you're like, holy shit, I'm stressed out. Do it. <laughs> it'll like bring you back and bring you back into your heart. And just these things are really simple. It's like remembering them. Right. They're so simple. Yeah. So anyway, I don't, don't make me divert. You're on the podcast. (laughs) You're the guest today. No, but I'm learning so much. So let's do this. Cause I always love to do this on the podcast. Let's talk about people make the world beautiful. So you, okay. you know, a little bit about this from the organization. This is like, 
I, I love this. And I've been saying this lately on the podcast, but it was Chris that started this. And the fact that he doesn't get to be a part of this in the same way anymore. I think this is just such a beautiful way of keeping this alive for him. And we still keep it alive within the organization. But I also think when we share people make the world beautiful stories, we send a ripple of light and love out into the world that reaches far beyond anything we could ever see. And selfishly, maybe that's mostly why I do this podcast. (laughs) Because I just think the world could be so beautiful if we all connect with our hearts. So with that, I was wondering if there was a people make the world beautiful story you'd like to share with the listeners today. Um, there, there's actually so many. However, I'm so proud of one of my best friends because she is in law school. So paying so much money for school right now. However, every time she goes grocery shopping, if she sees someone in need outside the store, she'll ask them what their favorite foods are and she'll come out and give them them even though she doesn't have the extra expenses or you know all of that so I just find that so beautiful that even if we're in a time of struggle that we can still care and fend for other people yeah it makes me think of this quote um it's trade your expectations for appreciation and your whole world changes and we always have so much more than we think you know and so if we can become grateful Mm-hmm. that's a big part of my self-care practice though if we can become more grateful the more we connect with that the more we move out of our minds and into our hearts and she's just like living in her heart yeah that's I was so gonna beautiful. say you become so much more rich with connections and love yes. than you ever will with money and you just like feel it I don't know if you like have felt it in this podcast I get pretty inspired but I feel like the energy in your story mm-hmm. and stuff and I felt like a lot of yeah well I feel energy. connected to you for sure <laughs> As time even went by in this, you see me like I, they can't see me because we're on the podcast, but I'm sitting with my legs up in the chair. Like I just feel yeah. comfortable and relaxed. Yeah, that's good. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad. Um, I wanted to share something with you. I thought about it as you were talking and I thought I'd save it for the end. Do you know about Japanese pottery? Specifically Japanese pottery? Yeah. And so what they do to repair it? No. So I love this and I think it's really beautiful and I think it's a really beautiful metaphor for life. But uh, back in like the 1800s in Japan, they made all this beautiful pottery, right? And so oftentimes uh, resources were limited. They would put it into the kiln, they would fire it up, it would come out, it would crack. And so being Japanese and uh, utilizing everything, they didn't want to waste it. So what they actually started doing was taking the pottery and filling the cracks with liquid gold. They actually became some of the most, they, there's, there's, you can actually go to the Smithsonian Museum and see the oldest known piece of Japanese pottery filled with gold. And it is the most beautiful thing you will ever see. And so many people in the world would have discarded it because of its crack. And I think it's just such a beautiful metaphor for life. And I'm just listening to you talk. I'm like, I love this. Like, this is like, I just want to share this with you. This is a story you should share. I'm like blushing. (laughs) It's just, I think you are a beautiful piece of Japanese pottery filled with gold. So you're going to make me cry. I didn't come here to cry today. (laughs) Oh, if you know me, you know, people cry around me all the time. But that is such a beautiful metaphor. Actually, after we're done recording this, I'm going to go Google Go it. Google it. Yeah. And so there's a beautiful black one in the Smithsonian with all this gold in it. And it's incredible. And it's such an important lesson of life. 
So as we wrap this up, um, are there some final thoughts you'd like to leave with the listeners today? Thoughts on life from Allie Lang? <laughs> I, I sometimes say this, but I feel like I can share it. So one way that I healed my body or my appreciation and acceptance for my body was through words of affirmations and keeping a gratitude journal every day. And just like your metaphor, I, through that practice, would compliment aspects of my life, not necessarily physical, because I didn't want my physical appearance to be what I thought was more worthy than my life. And through that exploration and journaling, I came up with the quote, your obstacle is your opportunity. Mm. So for me, every obstacle I've been through, I've made it into my opportunity. And I believe that anybody else can do that too. I love that. That's so good. I, our, our obstacles, if our perception goes to a negative place can take us down really quickly. Mm -hmm. But if we can somehow reframe and see them as opportunities, again, this, our entire life changes, right? Everything opens up. And so, yeah. Wow. I have to say thank you for sharing your heart and being vulnerable with me today and just sharing this whole story. I know this is going to be deeply impactful to many of the listeners, a lot of young women, you know, in hospitality listening to this right now, and they're going to resonate with this story, you know, and um, I think you're doing beautiful, amazing things. And yeah, just kind of got to know you, but I'm so proud of you. And also, can I just say this thought came to you. I just need to put this on the podcast. Your parents are angels. (laughs) Oh, I know. Literally. Shout out to Ted and Helen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Straight shout out to Ted and Helen. Holy angel parents. You, you hit the jackpot. I I definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. My life could have turned out so different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. It's been like such an honor to be on your podcast. Thanks, Allie. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Another week of discovering hospitality and one more amazing guest on to share their beautiful stories. Thank you so much to all of you, our listeners, for your continued support. The success of this podcast is totally because of all of you, and to that I owe my deepest gratitude. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend. And as always, don't forget to rate, leave a review, and subscribe to this podcast. I love hearing your feedback. And remember, the world is always made more beautiful by people like you. Don't ever forget it. Until next week, take care, everyone, and we'll see you then.